Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Divin, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us today. You know we come your way every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Mondays at 1 a.m. You also know we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. You also know we have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you are reposting our interviews to, and I thank you for that. You also know we're going to be giving you our guest's website here in just a couple of moments so that you can continue your evolutionary process and continue to move forward and make your life a better life. That does not mean that your life isn't good today. It just means that, as we like to say, there's always room for improvement. You also know that uh, if this program resonates with you or any of our programs or you'd like to be a part of what we're doing and you'd like to support us financially, that's the reason why we have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as our. We'll take any amount that you can support us with. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. And for those of you who will, we thank you for doing so down the road. And also, you know that this is the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within, to spend time in that quiet, peaceful, calm space where you can get the guidance and the information and the support that you need in order to basically recenter yourself, focus your attention on your life's purpose, what your life is all about. So we encourage you to do that. What you don't know is that today is going to be a day of play. We're going to play today. Isn't that going to be fun? I am excited about playing. And uh, basically, usually uh, when someone's annoyed with you, you know, they might tell you to go fly a kite. (laughs) Well, we're telling you today to go play. Because the author of the book, The Ultimate Roadmap to Winning the Game of Life, is joining us on the program today to share with us what that means to go play. I can't tell you, uh, first of all, how excited I am to have Derek Richardson uh, on the program, who is an author and a speaker. He's a passionate entrepreneur. And we're going to talk about not just the book, but the concept, if you will, of go play, again, The Ultimate Roadmap to winning the game of life and Derek thank you so much for uh, giving us time all the way from uh, what'd you say it was uh, Ohio Columbus Ohio yes sir I appreciate you inviting me on uh, looking forward to spending some time with you and uh, and uh, telling my story all right well the first thing I want to do is I want to give out your website so that people can start while they're listening to this program they can go to Derek Richardson but Here's how it's spelled, D-E-R-Y-C-K-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.com, where you can find out more about uh, Derek, as well as the work that he is doing, the book, of course, uh, which is Go Play. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, when did you come to the realization, and this is where we're going to start this program, with the idea that life was a game to be won? Great question. I would say it was in my early 20s. You know, I think that a lot of us, at least I anyway, very confused in your early 20s. I don't think anybody says they want to grow up to, uh, you know, be a businessman or or grow up to be an insurance agent. Uh, You kind of have these dreams and aspirations. Mine was to play sports. 
And so I've always had a sports mind. And then you realize uh, I'm not good enough to play sports professionally. What am I going to do now? And you find some roadblocks in life. And it's just like a game of football, right? There's guys you got to get past. There's uh, penalties in life that set you back just like on a football field. And I really started to adopt that mindset, I would say, by the time I was 21, 22, 23, uh, somewhere in there. Okay. And I guess the question I have for you, as as the uh, as a, a an avid baseball fan, uh, and as also a um, a man who has come from a World Series town, Phoenix. I did not think I would ever see that day, uh, but in two thousand one, of course, my uh, at that time beloved D-backs managed to, to beat the world champion. Um, uh, New York Yankees in a game, best of seven game series. And they won all seven games. And at the end of that, of course, they won the world series and they won this magnificent trophy with trophy with all the flags of each of the teams. What do you win when, <laughs> when you uh, win the game of life or, or is this one of those, everybody gets a trophy? No, I don't think everybody gets a trophy, but I will tell you that I'm a firm believer in, uh, I use the line in the book, but it really came from Zig Ziglar that says, you know, uh, success is a journey, not a destination. Uh, and oftentimes the doing is more fulfilling than the outcome. And so, um, you know, when your beloved Phoenix won the pennant, uh, won the trophy, had all the glory in the world, I bet you they don't look back and tell their kids and grandkids about the time they were sitting around with the trophy in their hand. They probably told uh, the story of the season and the losses and, and how they got there. They told the story of the journey. And so, you know, it's the ultimate roadmap to winning the game of life and winning, uh, you know, is consistent. And so it's, it's, it's a journey. It's how do we continue to, to improve on a day-to-day -day basis? It's not just how do we get to the so-and-so top or how do we get to the trophy or how do we win? It's how do we continue to win? How, do we, how are we winning on a daily basis? And so um, it's not everybody wins because that's not true, um, but there are certainly ways to continue to be successful and continue to find happiness and joy in whatever you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you think that that concept of um, everybody getting a trophy, as it were, has been detrimental to the progression, the genuine progression, and, and I, I will use the term evolution of our societies at large, specifically here in the United States? I do. Um, you know, I come from a sales background and uh, again, I'm an entrepreneur and most of my businesses are going to be sales based with human beings. So we have not really evolved in, again, most of those businesses to this digital marketing, uh, digital sales stuff that's happening today. And I can tell you that my sales teams are locker room mentality. Uh, there is a winner and a loser every single month. Uh, we have what's called blanking dishes, which means if you blank, uh, in a day, you don't get a sale in a day, uh, you're put in a hat uh, to do the dishes, right, for, for the office for that day. Uh, and so losers are recognized for losing and winners are recognized for winning. And I think that that gives you a certain, certain sense of urgency to make sure you're not on the bottom, to make sure that you are at the top. Recognition is so big in human nature. And I feel like if everybody gets a trophy, if everybody gets that recognition, we are losing the sense of urgency. We are losing that fire. We are losing that passion. Uh, to to want to be our best. And I, I agree with you 100% that it is absolutely detrimental to the evolution uh, of the of the human race and, and Americans, to be to be honest with you. It, it, it and it really seems as though to me anyway, that um, 
uh, it does not foster within the individual any real sense of accomplishment. I actually, to share a, a very quick story here, um, I was, uh, for those who don't know, and most of our program, most of our listeners do know this, I was born legally blind. Uh, throughout school, I was uh, using uh, recorded uh, books, which came along long before Audible, let me tell you. And I was carrying large print books around, wearing those big bottle bottom glasses, you know. And at the end of eighth grade, when you, you know how at the end of each year or of each um, uh, set of years that you progress and, and graduate from, sometimes it's junior high, you know, uh, uh, primary school, then junior high, and then high school. In my case, it was uh, primary and then high school. So we went eighth grade, eight grades. Well, in eighth grade, they held a little award ceremony in the cafeteria. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing about this award. Now, it may very well be a legitimate award. Uh, it was called the Eaton Award. I, I, I don't even remember who the person was, male or female, let alone what the award was for. But I won it. And even at that time, I thought, there's something not right here. This, this doesn't seem right. Um, I didn't do anything I, I, to justify being up here on the podium uh, uh, receiving this. And in a way, I guess, I guess it was one of those things where what they were trying to do was recognize the fact that <laughs> maybe that I had survived <laughs> the first eight years of schooling uh, in spite of all of the bullying that I had received. Well, okay, from that standpoint, I'll take it, okay? But I didn't really feel as though, as I said, I did anything. Now, when I got into high school, I don't recall ever really winning any awards. Um, but it wasn't until I got into my work years. And this is where we're, we're headed here because you yourself, you're an entrepreneur. You're a, a very passionate entrepreneur. And you would agree, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and please respond to this, that it is the entrepreneurs, not the corporations that run the economy, period. Not just in the United States, but globally. They're what makes everything move forward. Is that- 100%, 100%. And to that end, then, why is it that our current economic model seems to put more emphasis on the corporations? How many small businesses and entrepreneurs do you know are uh, have a, an I, a, what is it? A, uh, a public offering, a PO, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, or sell stock on the stock market and are, um, and then their stocks go up and down, you know, with the trends in the country or around the world. It doesn't happen. And, it doesn't and there, happen. It doesn't happen. And, and I think that the reason why that is, is because we've been ingrained to sort of worship big business. Um, I don't know why that is, you know, I'm, 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 relatively young, uh, you know, not even 40 yet. And so it's one of those things that even when I grew up, you know, people would say, uh, I got a job at this small business. I'll never forget. There was a friend of mine that worked at a, at a local ADT retailer, home security retailer. 
And he was telling us about how awesome his job was working for this company that sold home security systems, but was a small business, you know, just an authorized dealer for ADT home security systems. At the mm-hmm. time, I'm working for, you know, multi, uh, multi-billion multi dollar corporation, you know, I'm on the ground floor. And I had this certain level of, of I'm better than you because I'm working for a company that is uh, well known, a company that is traded publicly, a company that, um, you know, that everybody knows. The problem was is that I was just a number, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and he wasn't right. He's loved. He's getting birthday cards, and uh, I believe they built him a, a playset when he had his first. Uh, his kids are twins. He had his first set of twins, and uh, his boss built him a playset in his backyard, one of the big wooden, you know, big toys. Um, and he was getting the love and attention from this small business that I had. I could only hope for from from big business mm-hmm. and. What was in it for me for, for working for big business other than trying to work my way up that corporate ladder? It wasn't very fun, I can tell you that. Uh, but I remember saying, you need to get a real job. <laughs> you need to work for a real company. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why that was ingrained. Uh, but I'm just telling you that that is a real reality. That's a, a, a true story of, of people just not thinking small business is worthy enough to, to give um, their careers too. I don't know why that is. It's 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 really uh, unfortunate. And the other aspect of all of this too, and I think that we do need to take a look at this, and that is that when um, people think of corporations, and I know that there are those who would say that corporations have gotten a bad name. Uh, however, I put this in the category of a corporation who is sued and then decides to settle out of court, makes a payment, but does not acknowledge any responsibility for their actions, but yet they're making this payout. And I'm sitting here going, all you're doing is avoiding the publicity. That's all you're doing. Uh, And maybe trying to save a buck in court fees by settling. How in the world can you expect anybody to look at you and say, you're not guilty because you chose to pay out? Now, that's not to say that all corporations are like that, but it just seems that the, that I'll say stereotype, Derek, is, is more prevalent in the minds of people than the converse, because there are people at the very top who think they deserve multi-million dollar bonuses. And I think, I'm thinking, what in the world did you do? You didn't make the money for this corporation. The people at the bottom who prov- who made or provided or sold the products and or services are the ones who should be getting the million dollar bonuses because they busted their humps. So talk to us, if you will, about the entrepreneur. How does the entrepreneur compete with that aspect of our economy? Uh, and when I say compete, uh, how do they do they do this? Do they go and do the same practices, hoping that they'll make it big and maybe some other company will come and buy them up and they'll continue to move up that million or billion dollar ladder? Uh, I mean, it just seems like what's happening in our country is a lot of companies. Sometimes they they basically they'll sell their soul for the almighty dollar. That is an excellent excellent point. So. Um, I have, uh, I have five businesses, but I just want to talk about two of them really quickly because, 
Um, three of the five businesses are more still solopreneurships uh, to where it's really just me and my brand. Um, I do have an assistant. I do have, you know, social media guy, but it's really just me. Mm-hmm. So Richardson Marketing Group uh, is is the, the big moneymaker for my umbrella of businesses. We are a marketing firm specifically designed to enhance customer acquisition efforts of insurance agents. So we focus on building insurance agencies for people uh, or helping them build their agencies. Uh, Richardson Marketing Group is 2019's number one best place to work in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, We made the list again in 2020, so we know we're at least top 10, uh, but the rankings don't come out until November 10th. We are the sixth fastest growing company in the central Ohio area. Uh, We just received that award last week. Um, We have 14 employees, and the mindset of Richardson Marketing Group has always been to exit. Now, uh, exit for the, for those who are not entrepreneurs means to sell, right? So, so Richardson Marketing Group was built to sell, and you think, well, that's what I'm talking about, Derek. You you know, you're being greedy. Well, not not necessarily. Underneath Richardson Marketing Group, underneath the umbrella of Richardson Marketing Group, we have OMFG, which is Osborne Marketing and Financial Group, and we have Diamond Lead Generation, which is by another employee of mine, uh, Dave Cafeo. So, Anthony Osborne is OMFG, Dave Cafeo. Uh, is Diamond Leads. And we have a group called FCA, which is Future CEOs of America. What we're teaching my employees to do is to brand themselves. We essentially pay them W-2, they're W-2 employees, but they are branding themselves on social media. They are branding themselves with their client. They are building their own client base. And we just essentially act as the supplier. Richardson Marketing Group acts as the supplier of the services or goods that they're selling. Well, you think that's pretty silly. Well, they could just go break away from you and and do this on their own. That's fine with me because I want people to learn how to be self-sufficient by making money on their own. I want to build and grow entrepreneurs. And the reason why I want to do that is because I've been trapped by corporate America before. I've worked for a small business that grew and exited and we got nothing but an iPad and a thank you so much for building my company. I'm off to Dubai. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you think, well, wait a minute, as a director of sales for one of these companies, you can't exit without our sales effort. You can't exit without us. We were the uh, the people on the front lines like you were just talking about. And that hurt my feelings. It probably shouldn't have hurt my feelings because that's how business works. But my feelings are mine and I'm allowed to, you know, feel how I want to feel. And it did hurt my feelings. And I promised myself when I built a business that I would make sure that when I exited, because again, we were this, the point of Richardson Marketing Group is to sell. Uh, when I exited, everybody exits. Now, along the way, you know, we've been in business now for five years. We have had employees that are not team players. And so they don't get to travel this journey with us. And so we've let them go. We've had employees that have made a lot of money and really what I call changed zip codes. And they get this little bit of an attitude about themselves. And so they don't really fit into our culture. So they don't get to continue on the journey. But the 14 employees that I have, nobody has been here less than a year. They're all learning how to build their own plan, whether it be, you know, FCA, Future CEOs of America, or whether it be me supporting their Etsy business or their network marketing business or whatever. We are traveling this journey together and we will exit together and we will all reap the rewards 
of the work that we've done and the work that we've put in. As long as you're putting in the work. If you don't put in the work, you don't get to play with us. The other business, Freedom Direct, is an insurance agency. So if, you, if you're a marketing firm that knows how to build insurance agencies, why don't you just build your own insurance agency, right? Well, we did. And Freedom Direct is literally your own independent insurance agency. It's the same model, except for it's not us doing it because we're not an insurance carrier. We're a broker, but we have these carriers and we set you up to have your own business. So you can work from our office if you want to. You can work from the beach if you want to. You can work from your house. You can go get your own office. You can do whatever you want. We're going to supply you with the carriers, the products, the policies that you can sell. And you're going to build your own business, buying your own leads, hiring your own staff if that's what you want to do. And this is from day one, your own business. And so both of my major businesses that have employees or people that I'm responsible for are teaching people how to be self-sufficient and how to be entrepreneurs on their own. It is only fair that somebody who has 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 built a company gets to experience the the again fruits of the seeds that they helped to plant in my opinion. Now, a big business guy, a big guy who's grown and sold companies and kind of you know, kind of use those people as stepping stones to get to the next level would say, Derek, you're crazy. You're not going to make as much money as me. You're not going to profit as much money as me. You don't get to come with me to Dubai. And I can say that's perfectly fine because my team, I enjoy being with them. I enjoy winning with them. I enjoy going through this journey with them. And I'm going to celebrate with them as we overcome each obstacle that's in our way. And it's probably a little different than how people run businesses, but it's how I run my businesses and it works. Well, first of all, let me acknowledge that if you started the business, you can run it any way you want. Very true. The second thing is that I have worked for 14 years for this local radio station that is managed by the local newspaper. And back in 2006, there was a lot of controversy over uh, some of the practices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and as... Uh, I moved through different jobs until I got this one full-time. I would tell people, oh, yeah, I'm going to go work for that station full-time now. And they'd say, oh, my gosh, you're working for the other side? I'd say, there is no other side. We're all in the information uh, and communications business. We're all working towards the same thing. Well, they would gripe and moan and groan and complain about the way that maybe she was running the newspaper. And I'd say, look, if you don't like the way that she's running it, make her an offer. Buy it from her and run it the way you want. In the meantime, leave her alone. Not that I'm a yes person, but just like you, uh, Derek, it's her business. She bought it fair and square. And if that's what she wants, then she can run it whatever way she wants. And that's, to me, just uh, my perspective. Um, so anyway, um, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at a lot of this in, in that respect, that if that's the way a company and a corporation and a CEO wants to run it, who in the heck are we to say? By the same token, we have human beings who are working at those uh, various uh, companies across the country. And um, I've noticed here in Santa Barbara, where there are many, many entrepreneurs, there are a few corporate big box kinds of stores and shops and so forth, let alone restaurants. Only it's just the way that's just the way it's been. And so when this pandemic hit, and I'm curious as to how you have uh, um, dealt with these kinds of challenges. Because for me, it was, uh, the, the, my perspective was, wow, we've got some incredible opportunities coming our way. 
don't we? I mean, it's just amazing. So what about um, communities that are entrepreneurial based, okay, and yet, um, and yet are uh, really at risk when things like this happen, whether it's 2008 and that little economic downturn, some would say not so little, or this pandemic or anything else that comes along, they have no safety net. Whereas the corporations, they've got millions and millions or billions of dollars they can fall back on maybe to keep them going until such times as things even out or reinvent themselves. Talk to us about that kind of challenge facing entrepreneurs. Well, first of all, you hit the, the nail on the coffin. I don't do big corporations uh, have uh, you know millions and millions in the bank, but they also uh, get bailouts, right? And, um, oh, and yeah. they protect them, and so they have they have the bailouts. Uh, I'll never forget. Um, you know, I, I act as a mentor to entrepreneurs here in Columbus, which is also uh, a startup town, um, an entrepreneurial town. And um, a buddy of mine had a Euro shop that unfortunately went out of business during the pandemic. And there was a thread uh, on his uh, on his page that got a little nasty when he announced the closing. And somebody essentially was saying, well, why didn't you have six months of reserves, right? Uh, what people don't understand is when you, when you start a business, you don't have six months of reserves, unless you're venture backed, don't get me wrong. Uh, but but I, I'm not venture backed. Both of my businesses were bootstrapped. So if you start a bootstrap company, I mean, you're literally starting with nothing. I mean, I, I probably had less than $3,000 in my savings, my personal savings account when I went full fledged entrepreneur. Uh, and that's the reason I went full fledged entrepreneur was because I had less, I was working in corporate America and had less than $3,000 uh, in my savings account. Right. Um, and so what people don't understand is that a small business is are oftentimes, small businesses are oftentimes check to check, just like America is oftentimes check to check, right? Or week to week or month to month. And one of the things that we want to do is make sure that we are understanding of that with small business. Now, to answer your question directly, how do you get through a pandemic? Well, I can assure you that none of us entrepreneurs have ever experienced anything like this. Um, You know, 2008 was a little different. I was in the mortgage business back then. Uh, and I know that mortgage companies were going under left and right, and there was all types of uh, insecurities in the market and, and blah, blah, blah. But this is different. This is, uh, you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to leave your house. Uh, bars and restaurants, you have to close at 10 p.m., not 2 a.m., which are the hours here in, in, in Ohio. Um, you know, this is somebody telling you that regulations are changing for your business. So you have to be able to move and wiggle on the fly. I think the best entrepreneurs and the best CEOs are able to do that. I think that there are some entrepreneurs who deserve to be entrepreneurs and CEOs who deserve to be CEOs that just don't wiggle and move as fast as maybe they they have to. But I can guarantee you 2020 uh, is letting these people know that they need to get that skill set and they need to get it pretty quickly because I don't know that we, we, we have ever seen anything like this. And, and we may see something like this again if this thing comes back, right? We don't know. With us, we uh, made the the big mistake of sending our people home. Um, I mean, we were sort of forced to in Ohio. Ohio was a shutdown state, right? And um, and so March 16th uh, was the day that everybody had to go home and you could only be on the streets if it was essential. 
Uh, because we sell over the phone, that's not a huge deal. We just send the guys home. Uh, the problem was is that oftentimes my guys don't have offices in their homes. Also, kids were home from school. And so now you are doing homework and trying to work from the kitchen table. Kids are running around like uh, crazed maniacs because they're cooped up in the house. Uh, spouses are concerned and anxious of what's going on in the real world. Uh, everybody's watching the news every single day and just filling their minds with negativity. So it's not that our products weren't going to sell. I mean, think about life insurance in a pandemic, right, is a hot commodity. But it's that my workers weren't working. You know, they, they, were, they were not being efficient from home. Uh, we could only last 90 days like that before I said, listen, guys, we're, we're back in the office. So, you know, we gave them basically a 30-day head start uh, and said, hey, listen, whatever you need to do to get yourself in order to come back into the office, uh, you know, this, this thing has been lifted. The stay-at-home has been lifted. Uh, we're going back to the office immediately. I know a lot of companies that I hear, um, you know, in my circle are saying that we figured out how to work from home. Um, it's more efficient to work from home. We can get rid of our corporate real estate, blah, 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 blah. Not true for us. And I don't think it's true for a lot of companies that are sales-based uh, with human beings because you you thrive off of that camaraderie. And like we talked about recognition, you thrive off of that, that locker room energy. Our office, again, being the best place to work in Columbus, Ohio, most of my staff enjoy coming to work. It is their escape from what's going on at their homes. And so they need that sort of solace to make sure that they maintain sanity. Mental health is something that we've talked about during the pandemic as well, and, and people experiencing depression and anxiety at higher levels than ever before. Um, and so what we did to make sure that we were not going to fail was we said, okay, we're going to send everybody home because they told us to. Uh, this isn't working. It's time to come back, like right now, you know. Um, and and once we came back, we picked it up like we like we had never, you know, lost any any mojo. Um, I know other companies are using Zoom. Uh, I know other companies are um, doing all types of things to shift and to wiggle and to move on the fly. Which you know, think about it. Typically, you know, you put your plans together. At least I do. Um, at least minimum a quarter in advance. Right. Sometimes we, I mean, we have plans for 2022 with Richardson Marketing Group that we are putting together now for 2022. So, you know, to be to be able to to take plans or, or to take day-to-day uh, -day activities and to change them with a day's notice or a week's notice, it takes some grit and it takes some some. Uh, I don't know. If I'm allowed to say balls, but it does take uh, balls on this show. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the show, but it takes some balls to to be able to do that and be confident. Uh, you know, enough to make those decisions on the fly that oftentimes are, are made in a boardroom months in advance. Well, you know, I have to wonder too, and this really goes more to the core of, of uh, what this program is all about. I'm wondering when you don't take charge of your company, what, however large it is, whether it's one or 100 or 1000 or more, uh, and you don't treat your i hate using the word employees but for the lack of a better word employees you don't treat them like human beings and we have seen some companies in this country started by uh by uh, uh immigrants shall we say yeah people who have moved here gotten their citizenship and started companies and they make their employees like part of the family right when you don't do those kinds of things, what does that do to 
their soul, and we're talking about those people who aren't doing the things that need to be uh, done. But what does that do to the soul of the company and then to the soul of the economy in which they are, quote unquote, thriving in and benefiting from? Yeah, for sure. So I can tell you emphatically that uh, all of our employees are treated like family. Um, you know, we do monthly team builders. Oftentimes that includes the family. So we have goals to hit to do the team builder. Then we have additional goals on top of that to include a plus one. And then we have an additional level to include the family. So, you know, some months, depending on how we hit our goals, uh, we're doing team builders by ourselves, just with the staff. Sometimes it's with a plus one. Sometimes it's with the entire family. Um, but we, we want to make sure that we are treating our employees like families, which is why I said earlier, you know, uh, if, if people aren't playing that with employees, aren't giving that love back to us, they're not welcome in our establishments. I have uh, let go of several very good salespeople. One of them I let go of after his best month and at the time was a record sales month for us. And he said, I was crazy. Um, and he said, you know, without me, blah, 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 you're not going to do anything. I said, that's fine. I don't like I don't like the way that you play this game and you're not a good teammate and I don't want to uh, continue to have this relationship. You know, um, he was greedy. He was selfish. He was he would hit his targets and go home and the company was trying to hit. Again, we just talked about team builder targets. We were uh, just a couple thousand dollars shy, which is two sales for us shy at the end of a month uh, where he had hit his record and he went home for the day. But, you know, if we hit two more sales, the, you know, we get to that next tier where families get to participate in the team uh, in the team builder. And he didn't want to stay for that. He wanted to go to the bar at happy hour, right? A couple hours early. So those are the kind of things that we don't appreciate. Uh, I think that if you truly love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And so as a CEO and as an entrepreneur, I want to make sure that the people that I work with truly love what they do. Oftentimes it's not the work. I played football at a high level and I can tell you, I did not like getting bumped and bruised around uh, the act of, you know, I'm a lineman, I'm a big guy, the act of pushing and shoving and bumping and bruising uh, was not what made it fun, right? So oftentimes that, I, but I love to play the game. So oftentimes it's not the, the grinding of the work that you love to do, but if your environment is welcoming, if your uh, team, uh, teammates or your coworkers are loving and you really appreciate, respect and love them to a certain degree, I think that journey becomes so much easier for you, which makes it easier for the business to grow. Um, and oftentimes, again, it's not the actual work that you do, whatever you do. I mean, my guys are sales guys, so I can assure you that the best part of their day is not picking up the phone, making cold calls. Uh, but I can also tell you that my guys are always early and, and they're always staying after the bell re rings to go home. Um, and it's because they love what they do. They love the environment. It is their home away from home. And I think that if you grow a business like that, then you are pumping hope and motivation into your community, hope and motivation into your uh, economy. Uh, and if you pay them well, like you should, you know, again, I like to share, um, why would why would these guys leave you, right? So now you don't have to worry about these bad apples in your bunch uh, because they actually love what they do and they don't want to go anywhere else, you know? And so we're, we're pretty proud that we do that. Again, being the best place to work in Columbus, Ohio is not a small feat, you know, we're 1.8 million in, in the metro area of, of Columbus and there's a lot of small businesses here. Uh, and to be number one is is something that we really, really, um, you know, take seriously. And again, um, it, it's just the way that I run my business and it works for us. Now, there's another aspect that I, I find uh, disconcerting, maybe a little confusing in my mind. If you have a ranking system 
somebody has to be number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. Not everybody's going to be number one. Correct. And I've even heard that that just to be involved, let's say, in the competition is for some people is enough just to have that competitive mentality that helps them to improve. And as an operations manager for a number of different stations, I have often, uh, you know, I would be asked maybe by the employer or I'd be asked by other people. So do you know what the competition's doing? And I said, no, and I don't care. I don't care what the competition's doing. My job isn't to beat or compete with the competition. My job is to make the place that I am working better today than it was yesterday. And then tomorrow to make it better than it is today. Yeah. And it seems like um, there's a rule in running and you may be familiar with this. There's one rule in particular in running and especially in whether it's a relay race or a mile or, or a, 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 a marathon you're never supposed to look back behind you. Yep. Number one, because just the effort of turning and looking over your shoulder, you're going to slow down. Yep. And that seems to me what a lot of companies do. And there's all, and of course, the economic reports, the news doesn't help the matter any when it's constantly making those comparisons. Well, who's number one? Well, I think Amazon's big today. Oh, and it's IBM is big today. And then, you know, every day it's a new number one. It's like, who cares? Is your product or service any good? Now, how about this? Let me ask you to, 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 to uh, dwell on this for a few minutes, if you would, please. Um, I am not going to buy American for the sake of buying American because I'm an American and I live in America. I don't like buying from China, not because it's China, not because of all of the political and all of the other uh, 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 laws that are supposedly being broken by internet, you know, in terms of international uh, property rights and all of that. I don't care about that. What I care about is, is your product or service any good? Is it going to last? I have found more times than not, if it's made in China, it's garbage because they do it on the cheap. And all they're trying to do is mass produce whatever. I won't buy it from America unless it's good. And I interviewed a man 20 years ago who wrote a book called um, Built-in Obsolescence. I said, why? Why are you building an obsolescence? Well, because if we don't, then you know we'll be out of business. I said, what do you mean? You mean there aren't enough natural disasters and people moving who can't take their appliances with them and on and on and on. There aren't enough of those to keep you in business. And uh, so I'm curious about that because that seems to be to me the core or the effect of the dark soul, if you will, or the dirty soul uh, of a company that is more interested in the bottom line than they are in taking care of their customers. So that's interesting. We had this talk this morning uh, in our sales meeting. Um, and I have a very interesting philosophy. 
And, you know, I don't want to go very political here, but I will uh, just because you asked the question. Um, I am a firm believer and, and I'm the son of an immigrant. Okay. Uh, my dad came over from uh, Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, we ended up in Columbus, Ohio, because he got his PhD at Ohio State. Uh, he is a clinical psychologist. Uh, not only does he have a private practice, he's 75, by the way, not only does he have a private practice, he is a professor at Ohio State, and he also uh, works as an adjudicator for the Ohio Department of Disability Determination. So anybody who's looking for disability for psychological reasons, uh, he's, he's the guy that's, that's essentially handling appeals. Um, I am a firm believer that in America, the issue is, is that we are looking for the break. What I mean by that is, I've asked, I've been asked so many times in an interview, how much sick time do I get? How much PTO do I get? Is there retirement? We are looking for the break. Other countries and cultures are looking for the work. And what happens is we get so caught up in the break that we forget to do the work at a high level. And it's just like working out. I mean, if you've ever done a circuit training or a hit training, you know, you are working feverishly for 90 seconds and you get a 15 second break. That 15 seconds is so refreshing. I mean, it's the best 15 seconds of your life because you've just worked at 100% for 90 seconds. And so you get to enjoy that 15 seconds. If you work super hard and give it 100% during the weekend, whatever you do, then your weekend breaks are that much more enjoyable. I find my weekends being more enjoyable when, I've, when I'm physically, mentally uh, drained at the end of the week, and I get to enjoy the weekend and really relax and put my feet up. When I've sort of kind of, you know, lazied my way through the week and kind of not really done what I was supposed to do, the weekend's come and now I'm thinking about work and uh, I'm bored and, you know, it's just not as fulfilling. And it's the same thing with, with the American work culture. We are looking for the break, but then all of a sudden we get the break and we're not doing anything. We're watching TV, we're playing on our phones, everybody's bored. And I think that the problem is, is that we're not, we're not going 100%, 100% of the time. Um, and so, you know, again, not to be political, but um, I also only buy American if the product is good. Um, you know, our product has, we have sourced some of the things that we've done. Uh, in other countries, I love the Philippines uh, because there, there is a bottom line aspect that you have to look at when you run a business. And so if we can get some good uh, good labor uh, for, for, for cheap, sometimes we do that, um, you know, to, for some one-off projects. Uh, it's a business decision that we make. I would much rather give it to, um, to, to a young, uh, somebody fresh out of high school, somebody fresh out of college. But I'll tell you, I fired two of my kids, two of them. So I have four and two of them have worked for me and two of them have been fired because they're on their phones, they're playing Angry Birds, they're on Facebook, they're, they're wait a minute, yes, I'll get to it in just a second, dad, hold on a second. And uh, I did have a 20-year-old that was not, uh, you know, one of my kids uh, work for me that I thought was going to be this young marketing superstar and he's no longer with us as well. This this mentality of, um, you know, hey, I, you know, I know I get an hour for lunch, but uh, let me let me go ahead and stop 15 minutes before lunch, go to lunch, and then not start again until 15 minutes after lunch, uh, in my opinion, is is what is wrong with the American product. 
I think that sometimes the CEOs and the big businesses have caused this, um, you know, epidemic of, of laziness. Um, but other cultures don't do that. You don't, you, you know, I had my roof done the other day um, by a group of, of Mexican guys and these kids worked their tail off for two days. I mean, they did not stop. The one guy ran and got him some lunch. They threw up the, the, the you know, on the little conveyor belt up to the roof. They threw up the lunch up there. They ate, threw the trash down and kept moving. And we're just not doing that for the most part um, anymore in America. And that is disturbing to me anyway. So not, I didn't mean to go on a political rant, but uh, that's how. No, I no, no. Because that's part of the discussion here. It really is uh, because we, there is a segment of our society that uh, doesn't want immigrants in this country legally or otherwise because they think that these people are taking the jobs away from americans and i'm sitting here going no they're not because if you wanted that job you would have gone after it that's right but i don't have the education guess what you can get it yep it's available to you now first of all going back to your kids you're a big dude you got to be intimidating in one sense. And yet your kids responded to responded to you in that fashion, as you as you said, maybe not word for word, but in that fashion of I, okay, dad, I'll get to it. Hang on just a minute. I'm just about finished here and so forth. And and uh and you said, Okay, fine. Then you know you don't need to come in tomorrow. Because <laughs> that's usually the phrase uh that that comes back to uh, an employee if they say that to uh, an employer. Um, fine. Okay. You go right ahead. You keep going. And, uh, your paycheck and pink slip will be at the front door at the end of the day. That's right. And a lot of employers won't do that. Now I've heard it said when, when we have low unemployment or high employment, that that's a good thing. And that the higher the employment, lower the unemployment, the better. But doesn't there come a point at which you have more people than jobs available? And then you have to start. I keep hearing this phrase, regardless of who the president is, that X number of jobs were created this month. And of course, the president, whoever they are, usually takes credit for that. Well, my first question is, well, what kind of jobs were created? Not in what sector. It doesn't matter what sector. What kind of jobs were created? Are they picking up garbage along the side of the road? Now, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, are they, uh, did, were there jobs created where we have Americans out in the farm fields picking the produce? And again, not something I want to do, but you know what? If I had to, I would. You know, yeah. I know, I, and honestly, we all would. And if you have your own garden, guess what? You're doing that. Right. And so on and so on. So it always has, I've always been perplexed by that statement that X, hundreds of thousands of jobs have been created. The unemployment rate is low, maybe four, three, two, one, zero. We have no unemployment. Everybody's employed. Right. Really? That doesn't seem logical. And then the other aspect of the economic model, and you talked about this a little bit. That never made sense to me. And this was as a teenager. I'm 60 now. So this is going back just a few years. Uh, I looked at the economic model of wages 
and the mentality of the employee, similar to what you just talked about. You know, uh, what do I get? How many, how many sick days, vacation, et cetera, et cetera. How often will I get a raise? Right. The, the, the way that it was taught to me is you go to work for a company and you make a certain amount, you do well, and you get a little bump up and a little bump up and a little bump up. All right. Well, unless that company is doing well and growing, as they say, if you're going to get a bump up, they're going to have to raise their prices. And if there are more than 100 employees and everybody gets a bump up, they're going to have to raise their prices, which means now that the raise that you just got for, you know, for working there is eaten up by the the raise in products and services. And if this happens at all the companies, if this happens, and it doesn't, but if it did, then you got to ask for another bump up in another year. And then the cycle starts over and over. And it's like, that's unsustainable. You can't keep doing that. Explain to us, rather than me going into another little story, how you address that, not only as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, but even from this perspective of an employee. You know, what's funny is that we, we are uh, primarily known as, as an aged lead company. When I say us, Richardson Marketing Group. Um, so we are primarily known, a big piece of our marketing puzzle that we create for insurance agents is showing them how to sort of get meat off of the bone of aged leads. And the reason why we do that is because we can lower cost per acquisition uh, and we can increase return on investment by showing somebody how to squeeze every opportunity out of that sponge of a lead versus keep buying new leads and, and warmer leads and hotter leads and, and try to get to the laydowns, et cetera. Uh, we have not had a comp change in five years with Richardson Marketing Group. We have not had a price increase in five years with Richardson Marketing Group. Um, because the price drives, you know, our, our, our whole motto is, you know, on the age lead division of our, of our, of our program is to buy leads for a quarter. We have jingles about how to buy leads for a quarter. We have videos on how to buy leads for a quarter. And so if we increase the cost all of a sudden, then I got to redo all that stuff. So I'm lazy. Number one, (laughs) (laughs) I find that hard to believe, but go ahead. (laughs) But number two though, um, you know, my guys are paid largely on commission. You're able to give yourself a raise and they do. They give themselves a raise every year. Um, And so what you have to do is you have to find the client base. You have to manage the client base. You have to keep them happy by selling the product appropriately. Make sure that uh, that realistic expectations are given from day one. Handle problems when they arise, be it uh, accessible and available. Uh, It's so crazy to me how these companies out there, uh, specifically these SaaS companies, don't even have customer service numbers and you have to do chat support and email support and it's 48 hours. No, when your phone rings, guys, pick it up and handle the problem. If you don't know the answer, tell them to call them back, but you know, pick up the phone. And when they do that, they're able to give themselves a raise every single year and we're able to keep our costs down because we're just bringing in more clients. Um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying when it, I mean, you know, look, I, I studied economics. And so um, there is something to be said about about putting ourselves, digging ourselves into a hole of giving everybody a raise because they deserve more money. But then when the company has to increase the prices to sustain the employees that deserve more money, um, I think we do a bad job of budgeting. So if you're a $15 an hour guy, uh, you need to budget at $13 an hour 
And if you want to budget at $15 an hour, you need to go get yourself something that pays $17 an hour. Uh, I think that it's unfair. Again, all of my organizations are sales-based, right? So we don't have many positions that don't bring in revenue, but I think it's unfair for somebody to be in a position that is a support type position or admin type position or a position that doesn't directly bring in revenue. I think it's unfair for them to um, expect to sort of climb that ladder in the same position. I think that it's admirable for them to look for raises uh, in terms of, of promotions. But I think that, you know, a, a receptionist, in my opinion, nothing against receptionists. I, you know, I love my receptionist. Uh, it's unfair for her to ask for a raise simply because she's been here for two years. Uh, you want to raise, what more can you do? How can you help the company out? What other responsibilities can you take on? And I'll pay you for those responsibilities. You can give yourself a raise. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, we have to give ourselves a raise. You know, I can't, I can't just ask, you know, the entrepreneurial, you know, God <laughs> for a raise this year, you know, I got to go make it happen. And so, you know, I think that everybody needs to do, do the same thing. We're so spoiled, man, these days, um, with, with these companies that, that are giving raises and giving yearly bonuses. I mean, this year is a year that we're not going to see a lot of raises. I bet you, and a lot of bonuses, I bet you with the pandemic and, and employees are going to grumble and complain. And I see it all the time on social media, people saying, oh, my, my job, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. Well, what did you do for them? How valuable are you, you know, to, to the company, big or small? I think we have to take ownership in that. I think some of the people that do it the best, uh, you know, typically don't complain about their days and are typically uh, happier people, more optimistic people. And I think that a lot of the people that do that are the ones that are pessimists and that walk around with their heads in the ground. And, uh, you know, I think that that's something that's that's easy, easy to change. You want to raise, go make it happen. Go do more. Right. Go go make yourself more valuable and you'll, you'll get that raise. Trust me. A couple of things. There's a universal law of exchange. And you cannot break it or fight it. However, your expectations may be wrong. In that, I was working for that Christian radio station starting in 1980, 1980. And I was making a minimum wage in 1980, $3.65 an hour. Now, yeah. brand new in the business, only been in about a year. Yep. And then I was hired full-time in 81. And I got a slight, ever so slight bump up, maybe a nickel an hour. Well, let's just suffice it to say we'll jump ahead 15 years. At the end of 15 years, I was making an hourly salary or hourly wage of $7.65 an hour. Mm. About double. In 15 years, double. Yeah. Now, I was hiring people, and we worked out at the transmitter site, and we had to keep it clean because we had programmers who came out to that site to do their programs. And we had a restroom there and it had to be cleaned. So when I was hiring people, I'd go through the word, the job description. One of them was, okay, we've got to keep the, uh, the little break area and the restroom clean. And a lot of times you'd hear them, ah, you guys don't pay me enough to do that. I said, excuse me. Well, we do because that was one of the job descriptions. And my best friend who I went through grade school, high school and college with shared with me uh, as he was managing bookstores back then, it was Walden's and B. Dalton's and so forth, that he would never ask his employees to do anything that he wasn't willing to do That's in right. cleaning the restrooms. So I put it that way. 
look, I clean the restrooms. I'm the operations manager and I could just tell you guys to do it. No, I work here eight hours a day, five days a week. I got to see and smell and what have you. So I'm going to keep it clean too. That's right. So I'm asking you guys to get involved here because that's what it's all about. Well, going back to the whole aspect of exchange. All right. Maybe they don't pay enough for us to do all of these different tasks, including cleaning. Why don't we have a cleaning service? Well, what I found was, and what I experienced, uh, my boss at that time believed in what's called the law of diminishing returns. And for those unfamiliar, you only put out that which you expect to get back. Yeah. No more, no less. And I just couldn't go along. But it wasn't until after my uh, eighth or ninth year working there, I began to realize, ah, I'm getting an exchange. They had given me from almost the beginning of my full-time employment, the opportunity to fill an hour from 7 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday with interviews. Now, I would intersperse public affairs because I was also in charge of that, public affairs interviews. Uh, but I also interspersed it with interviews just like the ones I'm having with you, Derek Richardson. Uh, DerekRichardson.com so that I can drop that in there as well. <laughs> and um, I began to realize, oh my gosh, I'm getting the books and sometimes the CDs because I would interview some musicians, singers. Uh, I'm getting the contacts. I'm getting the interviews. I'm getting the experience, which is in one sense priceless. And I began to realize, guess what? You're getting an exchange. Right. I never forgot that. I haven't to this day. And I have tried to instill that or share that with people. Just because you keep putting out more doesn't mean you won't get anything back. It may not be in your paycheck. That's right. But the universe has, it's, a, it's an immutable law, okay? Um, you might even, if you wanted to use uh, the phrase, it's one of our inalienable rights. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, I'll never forget the feeling when I started to leave um, some of my peers uh, when I was in my mid-20s. Um, so I was in the mortgage business and um, started to work my way up through management. And really, that's where I began my sales management career. And, uh, you know, you kind of you're friends with with people that are on your same level but then as you move up you know people talk stuff behind your back and he thinks he's better than everybody else and he's a brown noser and blah 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 the owner of the company one day says um says hey let me talk to you um i said okay and he says uh, you know I, I hear some rumblings going on and and some people on the sales floor kind of you know talking negatively about your ascent in the company and how does that make you feel? And I said, I'm fine. He said, no, no, no. How does it really make you feel? And I said, well, it makes me feel that they should work harder. And he said, let me, let me tell you something. He said, for uh, two years, I have watched you work for the company. And for as long as these guys have been here, they have worked for themselves. They have tried to make as much commission for themselves. They don't go over and beyond. And the difference between an ordinary employee and an extraordinary one is just the extra. And, uh, and, and I look at my guys the same way, too. The people who ascend in my companies are those who are, um, again, now everybody, but because they, they kind of caught on, but are the ones that are, that are in early. They leave late. They're taking short lunches. They're, 
um, eating at their desk. That's not necessary. That's not mandatory. Uh, but when you do it, it's noticed. Um, those those are the guys that, uh, you know, before we started the blinking dishes uh, were the ones that were cleaning up the kitchen um, just to do it. The ones that run in the vacuum cleaner. For a long time, we didn't have a cleaning service. Um, you know, we were just bootstrapped. So, you know, whoever ran the vacuum cleaner ran the vacuum cleaner that day. Um, and so, you know, guys who are working for the company certainly will get something back, whether it be in their paychecks at that company or in their paychecks in the future or opportunities to go into business. I mean, one of my business partners was an employee of mine. And he's now a business partner uh, of mine, right? So he literally works for me at an organization where I was a sales manager and he is now a partner uh, because I said, hey, let's roll. You know, uh, I, I see how you how you work and I want you on this journey. So, um, you know, I think we need more of that. I, I like how you're explaining it because we just don't see it often enough. But, um, you know, I think we certainly need more of it. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, no, 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 not irregardless, uh, regardless, uh, <laughs> regardless of of the age of the worker. Okay, whether they own their own business, they're still a worker, uh, or they work for someone. Um, it seems as though that attitude, though not a hundred percent prevalent, is very prevalent in our economy in particular. And the one thing that I have noticed, uh, Derek, is when you start passing judgment on other your coworkers or your employer, no matter how big or small the company is, you are basically saying that you have an attitude of lack. It's not necessarily... And I really worked hard not to get down on the company that I was working for back then. It's not necessarily their fault. Because if you really didn't like the pay you were getting, then move on. Go somewhere else. That's right. But I worked in a very hostile work environment following that job uh, back in 1998, 99. Uh, and it was fairly good money. It wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't, you know, six figures or anything, but still. And I loved the job. I didn't care much for the work environment. I refused to quit. Yeah. Because I, number one, I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction. Number two, I really didn't want to go looking for another job because I was have I had a job. Why, why would I leave? So I hid out in the production room most of the time. And uh, eventually they let me go. They laid me off, quote unquote. And they gave me a rather large severance package. Well, that severance package said to me, I know, you know, you did me wrong. Yeah. Um, so that's something <clears throat> that uh, we need to take a look at as well. We'll have to save that for another time. I would love to continue this conversation. Derek Richardson, yeah. it's been fabulous talking with you. But uh, before I let you go, first of all, thank you for giving us so much time, number one. Number two. I have three final quick questions sure. for you uh, that I ask all of my guests. You may have answered them to some degree during the interview, but I like to ask them pointedly. But I need to mention this to our listeners, that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting. We encourage you to go to DerekRichardson.com. That's D-E-R-E. 
YCKRichardson.com. Find out more about Go Play, because that's the key here. You got to have fun at what you're doing. Otherwise, don't do it. Find something that you really enjoy doing is, I think, really the key phrase here. And it sounds like you, Derek, have done that. And also, if you'd like to uh, support us, this resonates with you and you'd like to help us out financially, we'd greatly appreciate that. And the thought occurred to me, uh, Derek, that uh, just because we don't get the support that we think we need doesn't mean that people aren't listening and aren't resonating with it. Uh, Expectations, those aren't my expectations. I want people to hear this information. I want them to, 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 uh, uh, to glean from it whatever they can to move forward. And finally, it's the decade 2020s, the decade of perfect vision. Spend some time going within. We didn't get into that part of uh, our own intuition in terms of guiding us through our entrepreneurial efforts. But maybe we'll do that for another time because I would like to have you back again. Sure. And those three questions. Number one are. Who is Derek Richardson? Derek Richardson is a family man. He is a entrepreneur. He is someone who is motivated by helping others succeed. He is somebody who was motivated by bringing others along with his journey. It is no fun to win by yourself. Um, he is lighthearted. Uh, he is business and he is play. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I just want to inspire others to be self-sufficient, man. That's all. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to bring others along uh, with me on the journey. My life's purpose is to show people to be self-sufficient. My life's journey is to show people that you can be happy. Uh, you can live an optimistic life. You can make your dreams come true. And my life's purpose is to make sure I can impact as many people as possible along my journey of doing just that. Derek Richardson, thank you again. Go to DerekRichardson.com to find out more. And we do want to have you back again because there's more work that you're doing that we haven't even touched on yet. Uh, the other companies, the Black Label, which I, I find fascinating and would love to talk to you more about. But we'll save that for another time. And, and please, please come back again. I would love to come back. I had a great time. It was my pleasure. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, Love to Love.